Welcome to the fourth branch program. Glad you can make it. I am MD. This program is dedicated exclusively for those with common sense, a spirit of patriotism, and a determination for a more perfect union. Stay tuned as we begin the discussion of a very important, interesting, and enlightening topic. Hope to hear from you soon. Happy listening. America is in crisis and it needs help. And this is not a small crisis. For the first time in a very long time, the country which has waged war across the world to liberate other people from dictators, from authoritarians, is now in need of help. Stay tuned as we continue the conversation about America in crisis. You are on the fourth branch program the place for common sense. Stay tuned. again. The United States of America has always been the country, at least for as long as we can remember, I'd say probably a hundred years could be longer, that whenever there is trouble across the world or whatever we perceive as trouble, the United States has always uh, spent uh, manpower, resources, in order to help, at least so we said. But regardless, since 2016, the United States of America, instead of being the country helping others, has been in great deal, great need of help itself. No, we're not talking about financial help. We're not talking about military power. We're talking about help with our society, help with our democracy, help to become or to be back to being a country which is relevant. Here at home, it is difficult to understand uh, anything at all because well, we as human beings have come to like the idea of normalcy. And uh, 
the 2016 presidential election was anything but normal. First, we had a candidate which defied all the norms. Sometimes I ask myself whether Donald Trump is responsible or we as a society is responsible. Because whether it's here in the United States or anywhere in the world, there is a reason why norms are accepted, embraced, and uh, lived from survive generations after generation. Because we, human beings, we like normalcy. Of course, we like to venture. We have. That's why we have those type of transportation we did not have before because we like to go to where we have not been before. And even after the invention of all those modes of, of transportation to go from point A to point Z on planet Earth, now we've been for now more than half a century, actually longer, trying to go outside our planet. So we like traveling, we like venturing into new areas. So we don't have that problem. So the idea of having an individual with new ideas or with new ways of doing things was never the problem which would later become a crisis for America. So in 2016, there were at that time, uh, Barack Obama was president of the United States, and uh, his second, he was on his second term, and he would be leaving the office in a couple of years. But in politics, 2016 was pretty much the last year, because in January of 2017, that's when. Uh, Obama would be vacating the Oval Office for the next president. So it was really one year, not a couple of years, nevertheless. And here in America, almost 18 months before the, the presidential election, people who wish to become the successor of the current president, whether it's the first term or the second term, would, uh, especially from the opposing party, would start honing their skill and uh, positioning themselves to bid for the presidency and uh, hoping he or she would be the one to challenge the incumbent in, in, in the case of, of the first term or to take over 
the Oval Office in the case of a second term of the individual in the Oval Office. As such, in uh, 2016, both parties had candidate lined up in order to become the next president. The Republican Party had 16 plus candidates vying for the office. Uh, the Democrats did not have that many. In fact, very early on, actually very, very early on, the field in the Democrat Party narrowed down to almost two people, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, because all the other individuals uh, were, I don't know, four or five of them, maybe, uh, after Iowa, which is the caucus, the very first place, were people bidding for the office of the presidency from both parties would go to and try to see whether they have any shot at really getting uh, making it further. So already in Iowa uh, the field started to to narrow down. By the time we got to New Hampshire it was pretty much really a fight between uh, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton on the Democrat side. On the Republican side, however, things were somewhat chaotic, uh, uh, somewhat more chaotic, uh, more tumultuous, somewhat more interesting, if you like. In fact, I recall that I spent more time writing about the Republican Party than I did about the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party was pretty, pretty standard uh, way of. Uh, of politics of people bidding for the presidency of the United States. The Republican Party, however, things were starting to heat up. Uh, it uh, there was uh, uh, there were countless fights between the candidates uh, and, more specifically, Donald Trump and the candidate. It's almost like there were two camps. Uh, in the Republican Party, there was the Donald Trump camp, and there were, was the Republican camp. Now, the Republican Party wanted to make certain that even uh, if Donald Trump uh, were to decide uh, at some point uh, or see that he's losing ground, he was losing ground, he would not stray away from the Republican Party, but rather would either bow down completely or pledge to stay in the Republican Party because the chairman at that time, which was Ryan Priebus, was trying to keep those Republicans together. But in any event, Donald Trump was not playing by the rule, was not playing by any rule. Because he was, as I wrote many times during that period, that Donald Trump was never interested in becoming president of the United States. 
he was there to promote his brand. Everybody knows Donald Trump is all about business. He really doesn't care about becoming president. He wants to make money. And becoming president would be the last thing that Donald Trump would want because, well, the president of the United States doesn't get paid much. In fact, up to Bill Clinton, it was just $120,000. Really, not much for anybody to, to, to want to become president if, if your plan is to make money. Now, Bill Clinton did change that, and uh, the amount now that a president makes after Bill Clinton jumped to $400,000. Still, for, for Donald Trump, it's, it's chump change. So, bidding for the presidency of the United States, Donald Trump would elevate his brand because when you're a candidate, your name shows up on a regular basis across network and across the world because journalists across the world uh, cover the presidency of the United States. So Donald Trump saw that as a big opportunity for him to promote his brand. As such, he didn't conform to any law, to any rule, to any norm. Because as far as he's concerned, it didn't matter how far he got because as long as he can put his name as the individual that that uh, as the individual that uh, that bidded for the presidency of the United States elevated from just a businessman not to being a candidate for president then that is a big leverage as far as doing business ar across the world and Donald Trump being uh, the type of individual that he is he was sure to give uh, to lie to individuals across the world about his importance as candidate. As you can see that Donald Trump exaggerated everything, even things that people are already aware of, things that are in the public arena in terms of information, he lies about them. So if he were to simply drop out, uh, out of the race, and go about growing his business on the international stage, he would tell those people, whoever would be the interested party, anything that he wants in terms of how much information he has about the presidency and so on and so forth, because, well, those people would not know. And Donald Trump would take advantage of that. Now, It so happened, things didn't work out that way because of not abiding by any rule, by any law, by any norm, by any reg not even by any regulation, Donald Trump has catapulted to the top of the park very, very early on in the race. It was funny, entertaining. 
insulting and for reason that still baffled everyone that was attractive to a very large sector of the population. So what happened? That when we return. Cash, coal, that's what I need. So happened that during a presidential election here in America, there are two major events. The first one is the primary, which lasts a really quite a long time. And the second one is the general election. Now depend on how each party uh, schedules the, the debates among the candidates, it's like a championship if you like. First, the Democrat Party would have uh, all the team fight, uh, playing against uh, one another until it, willed, it whittled down to one. The Republican Party would do the same thing until it whittles down to one. And those two people, one for each, from each political party, would now move to the general election. Now, during the primaries, which is where the championship of elimination happened for, for both part, political parties, Donald Trump bashed, insulted, hounded the candidates got on their nerve, under their skin, and one by one those candidates were dropping, exiting the race. Some were smarter and dropped pretty early, such as Chris Christie. Chris Christie, uh, after New Hampshire, uh, simply walked away because he could not see any path forward, so he just bowed down bow out rather. Jeb Bush, who was before Donald Trump showed up on the scene, was a favorite among the Republicans, one of the favorites I should say among the Republicans, uh, managed to stick around until South Carolina. and so on and so forth. Now, there were also, uh, the gentleman who was ambassador to China, 
he also had to bow out. He was pretty early on as well. He, he saved uh, all his effort, all his energy. He didn't even uh, participate in the Iowa caucus because he was trying to make to make a good impression in New Hampshire, which is the first state, uh, the first primary. And uh, that didn't work. So after New Hampshire, the field started to clear on both sides. Now on the Democrat side, as I mentioned earlier, there were mainly nobody left except Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton battling battling it out almost to the end. On the Republican side, however, there were still many, uh, quite a few people left. There were John Kasich, there was uh, uh, were Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, there were Donald Trump. Uh, uh, Jeb Bush was still around uh, until South Carolina. So, but the field was whittling down. And Donald Trump didn't win uh, New Hampshire, but he came either third, I think. He came third, and uh, that started giving him uh, some boost, some some steam in terms of uh, he start giving uh, pause to people who think, who thought at that time that. By the time we get to South Carolina, Donald Trump would simply be exiting the race. But that's not what what happened. Instead, there was uh, infighting between uh, Donald Trump and uh, uh, Marco Rubio, who was, uh, believe it or not, the favorite uh, for the poli- uh, for the Republican Party. Uh, uh, for in 2016. Ironic, isn't it? Yes, that's the state of affair it was uh, for for the Republican Party uh, in uh, in 2016. Now, Jeb Bush was in, but he started off on on a wrong foot. Uh, he started uh, to say things that that uh, uh, defending. He actually was defending the. He was defending his brother George Bush when he was president about the Iraq War. And uh, the kind of thing that he said didn't really go too well for him. Now, actually I said wrong what uh, about Donald Trump uh, in New Hampshire. In fact, in New Hampshire rather, uh, he, by then he had already uh, catapulted to, to the top spot. Because according to, to uh, record, uh, Mr. Trump had 35% of the of the vote. John Kasich had almost 16%. Ted Cruz had 
almost 12%. Even Jeb Bush at 11%. But Marco Rubio, who was the favorite, the favorite, that's the individual that uh, they, the Republican uh, was, were pushing to become the nominee. Uh, Marco Rubio was all the way uh, at the bottom. Well, not at the bottom, but he was fifth in line. Chris Christie, Cali Fiorina, Ben Carson, Rand Paul, all those people were in uh, really at the very bottom in the single digit. Now, Chris Christie and Cali Fiorina did bow out, but Ben Carson was really uh, at the bottom of the pack. Uh, well, actually, uh, Chris Christie uh, did not withdraw yet. Uh, I think it was Ron Paul who actually withdrawn before the New Hampshire primary. I think Mike Huckabee did withdraw as well, and uh, so did uh, Rick Santorum. So those people didn't really get much. Now, after New Hampshire, Chris Christie bowed out. Carly Fiorina bowed out, but Ben Carson, who actually was behind those two people that I just mentioned, decided to stick around. So Donald Trump, from a joker, from a, an irrelevant individual, became the top guy. And since he grabbed that top spot, it became almost impossible for anyone to, to push him out of that top spot. Now, despite that fact, you would think Donald Trump would start changing uh, tune in terms of uh, thinking, okay, maybe I have a shot. Maybe I can make it all the way to the end. And yet, he was still the same guy, the same vulgar uh, individual who did not have any respect for normal, did not have uh, any concern whatsoever about anything because as far as he was concerned, he was just in there for to promote his brand. The longer the longer it could stay, the better it would be for him. How is that all related to America in crisis? Well, this is part one of the series America in crisis and giving you a background as to how it all started would help you to understand how serious the crisis is and uh, who among us are responsible for the problem because as you can see uh, it's not something that that suddenly happened it's something that evolves we've witnessed along the way and yet for some reason for reason that yet for me to understand we did absolutely nothing to prevent it from happening so after new hampshire uh there was uh i don't recall if it was super tuesday but there were a few no it wasn't super tuesday yet but there were a few states uh, that were uh, upcoming in terms of primaries and South Carolina was one of those states. 
so what ended up happening there so did Marco Rubio finally uh, make whatever changes needed to be made uh, uh, came up with whatever strategy needed uh, uh, to be implemented in order to reverse the process because Donald Trump does not know anything about oh at that point at that time did not know anything about politics it was it was pretty much a nervous among uh, uh, among all those individuals the Ted Cruz the Marco Rubio uh, Ben Carson was no politician either so Ben Carson is not part of the analysis in this case but John Kasich those people were are politicians they've been on the block and here they were fighting to actually stay afloat amazing isn't it they were fighting to stay afloat now even Marco Rubio who had the blessing of the Republican Party Fox you know Fox Network the channel that the propaganda machine for the Trump administration yes that channel was pretty much all uh, Marco Rubio there was official um, from the top at that time that clearly said that Marco Rubio ought to be promoted by Fox so all the news people talk show and so on all of them had to speak one language to help promote Marco Rubio Trump was not a favorite in fact Trump was being bashed by Fox to the point if you may recall even later on that Trump was threatening not to talk to Fox not to go on Fox because well his brand was making money everybody wanted Trump to come to the to their channel to talk so did Marco Rubio manage to do something smart in order to earn the respect of those who were promoting him or was it lost cause We'll be back. that in South Carolina 
instead of uh, Marco Rubio making uh, any kind of progress, it seems that it got actually bad. From a perspective of position from New Hampshire, it had gotten just a tad better for Marco Rubio, but once again in South Carolina, February 20th, Donald Trump won got everything. There were 50 delegates at stake. And Donald Trump got all of it. Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio got 22% of the vote each. But they didn't get enough delegates in order for them... Uh, they didn't get enough votes, rather, in order for them to get any delegates. John Kasich, who's who was still around as, as well as Jeb Bush and Ben Carson, they get 8 and 7% respectively. Of course, they didn't get any delegate either. So Marco Rubio, the favorite, you know, the favorite, could not shake anything up. Now, in uh, New Hampshire, it was not that good, but it was more or less the, 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 the humiliation was more or less mitigated because there were Donald Trump got 11 delegates, Marco Rubio did get two. But in South Carolina, where there were 50 delegates at stake, not 50, well, yes, 50 delegates at stake. Trump got all of them. Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, John Kasich, Ben Carson, Jeb Bush, nobody got anything. So Trump once again cement, cemented his lead and uh, now Marco Rubio start to panic for good reason. Now that happened on November 20th. Now on February 20th, rather, on February 23rd, it was going to be Super Tuesday, where there were going to be five or six states that would hold primaries. There was Nevada, Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas, Georgia, and Massachusetts. And it was going to be that time if Marco Rubio would want to survive, he would have to make his mark there because there were a lot of delegates at stake. And when February 23rd came, which was just a few, a couple of days from uh, South Carolina uh, primaries, something happened. Did Marco Rubio make it? Well, first you have to understand that uh, Marco Rubio was not the only one trying to was not the only one trying to uh, get to to that top spot. But there were Ted Cruz, there was John Kasich, there was Ben Carson. But as I mentioned at the top, Marco Rubio was the favorite.
So when February 23rd, uh, when February 23rd came, I am certain that it was nail biting for Marco Rubio because he's been in politics for a long time. Donald Trump just got there. And what makes it worse is the fact that Donald Trump didn't have, didn't even have an organized campaign. He didn't even have offices in those states. It's just a, a, a person, a person there. He was completely disorganized as a candidate. During the primaries, Donald Trump did not have offices like candidate bidding for the presidency have in, in many different states. Because the idea really is to have a presence in all of the states so that you can uh, court, uh, court rather, uh, voters in order to increase your chances of becoming the nominee. Donald Trump didn't even have that. He didn't even have a manager for God's sake. His big mouth was the only thing running the show. And guess what happened? On February 23rd, Super Tuesday, Donald Trump won again most delegate. He got 46% of the vote in Nevada. John Casey got 4%, Ben Carson got 5%, Marco Rubio got 24%, and Ted Cruz got 25, 21%. So, Donald Trump walk away with 14 delegates, Marco Rubio 7, Ted Cruz 6, and Ben Carson 2. So as you can see, Donald Trump delegates count are adding pretty quickly. Not Marco Rubio. In Alabama, Donald Trump won most delegates. He won by 43%. He got 36 delegates. Ted Cruz got 13. Marco Rubio got only one. In Alaska, Donald Trump got 34% and got 11 delegates. Now, the other person that got as many was Ted Cruz with 36% and get 12 delegates. Marco Rubio, again, only five. In Arkansas, now it seems that Marco Rubio was doing a tad better there, but not that much better, not in comparison to, not considering that he was the favorite. Donald Trump once again got 33% 16 delegates, Ted Cruz got 31% 15 delegates, and Marco Rubio got 25% just 9 delegates. Georgia which had a lot of delegates, then again, Donald Trump won 42 delegates, Ted Cruz 18, Marco Rubio 16. So Donald Trump adding delegates like crazy, and the others are struggling. Massachusetts, Donald Trump got 22 delegates, he won by 49%. Ted Cruz 10%, Donald Trump, uh, Marco Rubio 18%. Ted Cruz got four delegates, Marco Rubio got eight. So as you can see, 
a completely disorganized individual who has no plan, who present no detail of anything, of any policy, was winning the primary, the Republican primary. So it was pretty obvious from the very beginning that Donald Trump was going to be the nominee for the Republican Party. What were the others doing wrong? What the hell was going on? Donald Trump was just cleaning the whole delegate thing. Of course, after Super Tuesday, needless to point out that Republican favorite Marco Rubio was in panic mode. Now, Ted Cruz was doing much better than Marco Rubio at that point, and yet nobody was talking about Ted Cruz because Ted Cruz was very hated. In fact, Lindsey Graham made a joke once that if someone were, were to kill Ted Cruz on the Senate floor, an investigation was being conducted, they would not find who, who, who committed the crime because nobody would talk. That's how much Ted Cruz was hated in Washington. So Ted Cruz was not favorite. Nobody was, was cheering for Ted. They wanted Marco Rubio, but Marco Rubio just couldn't pull it. So after Super Tuesday, it was rather obvious that Marco Rubio was in serious trouble. Is there any point in time that Marco Rubio can change that? Well, when we discuss part two in this series, we will continue to talk about the rest of the 2016 presidential election. And also, we will begin to expose how the crisis that the country is going through now, has how that crisis has evolved from an election, a presidential election, that was supposed to be just a brand promotion for Donald Trump become the biggest nightmare the country has had. Cash, coal, that's what I need. that uh, this new series of American in crisis can shed some light into what has happened to the United States of America, how it happened, when did it begin, and what should we as Americans and the rest of the world expect 
as we're going through this crisis. I hope you have a wonderful day and hope to see you again next time for part two of the series America in Crisis. Podcast is brought to you in collaboration with the People Branch publication, which can be found on the People Branch website located at peoplebranch.org. That's P E O P L E B R A N C H.org. That's peoplebranch.org website in which you will find a number of very interesting articles my name is Mike Duchenne MD for short I hope you have a great afternoon or a great evening 
whichever it happens to be. Hopefully you can join me again next time for another interesting episode of this podcast. That was the fourth branch live from New York. Good day.